If you want to, you can turn with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten, and we're gonna—that's uh, gonna be the first um, first scripture we're gonna kick off with this morning. But we're continuing in our series of spiritual warfare, or born for the battle. And last week we talked about. We got to engage the enemy. It's not just good enough for us to learn about spiritual warfare. We got to engage the enemy and we got to fight our own spiritual battles, right? You know, the thing about, like with, I told you that story about what happened with Tanya. And, uh, you know, we prayed for her here. I prayed for, her, you know, personally. But you know what? She was still struggling. And it wasn't until she engaged the enemy that she got the breakthrough, Amen. right? So we all need to do, we need to fight our own spiritual battles. And we talked about last week in 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds. God's given us some weapons. Last week we talked about three weapons, the weapon of victory, the blood of Jesus, the weapon of authority, the name of Jesus. And then the third weapon, the weapon of power, the truth of God's word. A couple of two or three weeks ago, Pastor Rob preached on Wednesday night on warfare. And he gave those that were here a list of scriptures, prayers and confessions. And uh, if you don't have that, I would encourage you. I think they're in the boxes against the wall. Whenever you leave, grab you one. Because there's something powerful about whenever you claim the word of God. You declare the promises of God, you pray the promises of God, and you claim the promises of God. Amen? So I just want to encourage you to, to grab a hold of that. But today I want to talk to you about another spiritual weapon that the Lord has given us that I believe is a, probably our greatest spiritual weapon. Um, and it's the, the primary spiritual weapon of every believer, and that is worship. Worship is a mighty spiritual weapon. You say, well, what can be greater than the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus or the word of God? God himself is greater. And worship is about acknowledging God's authority and role and reign in your life. Amen? Worship is an often overlooked weapon of spiritual warfare. In Psalm 18, in verse 1, it says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now, although this is a prophetic psalm of the Lord Jesus Christ, the psalm, the psalmist declares that the Lord is the Lord of his deliverance. How many of you know that's true? The Lord is the Lord of our deliverance. In Psalm 18 and verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. But in verse 3, the psalmist reveals the key to his deliverance. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised or worship. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. That's deliverance. Now, the psalmist connected his deliverance to praising and worshiping the Lord. And so listen, when we as believers begin crying out to God in prayer, 
and we lift up our voice in worship, God will move mightily in our life. There's something about worship that releases the grace of God. Worship binds up the power and the work of the evil one without us being able to see that in the heavens, in the spirit realm. Something happens when you begin to worship God. In Psalm 149, in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your Maker, O people of Jerusalem. Exult in your King. Praise His name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in His people, and He crowns the humble with victory. Let the faithful rejoice that he honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Then in verse 6, let the praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hand. Now there's a picture of spiritual warfare in action right here. Let the praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hand. Now you know we got... We've been given a sword of the spirit, right? And what we need to know is when we worship, it releases God's supernatural power in our life to defeat the enemy, to defeat demonic strongholds. Look in verse, the next verse, it says in verse seven, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of faithful ones. Praise the Lord. So in the midst of this Psalm 149, he tells us, praise God, worship God, lift up the name of God in worship. And he says, when you do, God will execute judgment on our enemies. Worship releases God's judgment over our enemies. Now, biblical history demonstrates the power of worship. You can't read the Bible with recognizing the correlation between the power of worship and its place in spiritual warfare. Moses experienced the power of worship. You remember um, when, Mo- when Moses had to fight the Amalekites and, uh, and there was this huge battle that was about to begin. And Moses instructed Moses or Moses instructed Joshua to go down in the valley and fight the fight. And Moses says, I'm going to stay up here and I'm going to intercede. Remember that story in Exodus 17, 10? So, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. So that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now what a picture of the power of worship. The story tells us that Whenever the hands of Moses was raised in worship and prayer unto the Lord, the Israelites were winning. However, as soon 
as Moses lifted up his hands, Joshua, or, or as soon as when his hands were up, the Israelites were winning. When his hands were down, the Amalekites were winning. And so Moses' hands grew tired. And so they sat him on a stone. And Aaron and Hur got on each side. And they lifted up his hands. And when Moses' hands were lifted up, all of a sudden, something happened in the valley below. Something came over Joshua and the Israelite army, and they were supernaturally able to overcome the enemy. Are you tracking with me here? There's, a, there's, incredible, there's an incredible picture. What a picture of the power of worship. You know what Moses learned? You can win more battles and gain more victories when you begin utilizing the spiritual weapon of worship. Now listen, you know, I've always read that story, heard that story preached in the context of prayer. When you pray, you win the battle. But listen, when you lift your hands up to God, it's worship. It's, it's giving God your, your honor and the reverence that he deserves. Amen. And so when Moses lifted up his hand, something happened. So listen, I believe that, you know, Moses learned that you can do a lot more if you learn how to worship God. Amen. I believe this is also so true for the church. We can win more battles and gain more victories when me as a pastor lifts my hands in worship before the Lord. You know what? We can win more battles as a congregation when we as a congregation make a priority of worship and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. Amen. Personally, I believe that you can win more battles whenever you whenever you don't allow the enemy to rob your worship. Keep your hands folded. Keep your hands down. But in in faith. And in the obedience to God, you just lift up your holy hands to God and say, God, I honor you. I love you. I worship you. And something in the spirit happens and you start winning the battle in the valley below. <clears throat> Exodus seventeen fifteen says, Moses built an altar and called the Lord, called it. The Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. Now, you know, the Lord is my banner really means the Lord is my victory. Amen. Banner means victory. The Lord is my victory. Now, worship allows us to gain the upper hand spiritually and win our spiritual battles. Are y'all hearing me out there? We talked about it's impossible for you to live your life and not be in a spiritual warfare. But I want you to know something that God don't ask you to do warfare and not give you the tools so that you can win the battle. Amen. He gave you the name of Jesus. He gave you the blood of Jesus. He gave you the power of the word of God. And he gives you the power of worship. Worship will give you the victory. You know, listen, experiencing the power of God is really powerful. Let, let me just mention something. I experienced something yesterday that I, I just connected when I was reading this story today. You know, yesterday morning, uh, I taught at a marriage conference in town, and they asked me to, uh, to do a teaching on, on the family. But I was up here early yesterday morning preparing for that. And as I was pray, praying in preparation, I felt the power of God come on me. I felt the Spirit of God come on me uh, in a in an extraordinary way. Now, you know, I, I immediately thought, you know what? The church has been doing warfare. I know that there are spiritual breakthroughs. 
I have been doing spiritual warfare over my own life and my family. I know that what happened to Tanya is just the enemy trying to get me to run and hide, but it ain't working. Amen. But I knew something was happening there. But then later on, I thought, you know, as I got to the conference, I found out that they had a prayer meeting and they were praying for all the speakers that were speaking that day at the conference. And I thought, you know what? My own spiritual warfare, the warfare of the church, the warfare of the saints that were praying at that conference. That's why I experienced the power of God yesterday morning. Now, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you, there's not a lot you can covet in life, but I'm telling you, I'm coveting your prayers that you would pray for me, the pastor, that God's power would stay on me and so that I can preach the word of God with holy boldness and that you can receive supernatural breakthroughs as a result. Amen. Pray for me. Pray for the pastoral staff because when, when Moses, when Aaron and her raised the hands of Moses, the battle was won. Amen. So come on, let's lift up the hands of each other here. I encourage you, Sunday morning when you wake up, start praying for whoever's preaching that morning. Pray that God would move on them mightily. Amen. Now, Joshua experienced the power of worship as well. You recall when Joshua had to face the fortified city of Jericho and Jericho didn't um, uh, it, Jericho wouldn't just give up the promised land. It was a fortified city trying to keep them out of the promised land. And so Joshua had to overcome Jericho. But Joshua didn't use the normal military weapons to fight his enemy. You remember what he used? The Lord led him to use the shout of worship to overcome his enemy. The what? The shout of worship. And when he did, the fortified walls of that city came tumbling down in victory. In Joshua 6.10, Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry and do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Now, I love this phrase here in verse 6 or verse 10, where it says, do not give a war cry. Come on, how many of you know that even a war cry A shout of praise can do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. I don't know if you know this or not. You say, why why y'all shout in this church, man? Come on. Are y'all crazy? No, no, no. We're just really trying to be biblical. How many of you know the Bible says, shout unto the Lord? Now, yeah, you don't have to shout and, you know, it's not how, you know, as Brother Francis used to say, it's not how high you jump in worship, it's how straight you walk whenever you're done, right? But listen, you know, I know you don't have to shout, God's not deaf, but there's something about a shout when it comes from your heart, there's passion attached to it. Amen. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. Come on, I'm telling you, there's something there's something powerful about an anointed shout of worship before the Lord. Amen. Even a shout of praise in obedience and in faith under the anointing of God can give you a spiritual breakthrough. Amen. 
That's why I like to let, that's why I like to lead the congregation and say, come on, let's give the Lord a great shout of praise. I know every time we as a church give the Lord a shout of praise, something is released in the heavens. Come on, like duck hunters, I believe there's demons falling like dead ducks. Come on, as the artillery of worship goes out into the heavens. Amen. Yes, amen. Psalm 47 in verse 1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. How many of you know clapping your hands is biblical? Amen. Clap your hands, oh, you people. Shout to God, not with the voice of defeat, but with the voice of what, saints? The voice of what? Triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. And he will subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Notice God has gone up with a shout. You know that word? I said, what does that word going up really mean? It literally means to go up in battle. It means to go to war. Come on now. Could it be that just as with the shout of praise, as we shout praises, that demonic spirits and strongholds are broken as the Lord's power is released in the heavens over our enemy? Come on, I believe it. Shout of praise. Listen, some of you, you would do yourself good to get by yourself and just get where nobody can hear you. You've been, you've been stuffing up that emotion long enough. Come on, you've been subduing that emotion long enough. You're about to bite somebody's head off on Ambassador Caffrey. Why don't you do it in your bedroom and say, Jesus, I give you praise. Amen. I give you praise. Come on, I think you might like it so much. You might just do it again. Amen. Somebody next door might come knocking on your door saying, have you lost your mind? Yes, I have. I've gotten crazy for Jesus. Amen. Come on. Are y'all receiving this this morning? Come on. Listen, I believe what I'm telling you today goes right in the, in the face of religiosity. Come on. It goes right in the face of religion. Come on. David, he was, he was, he was crazy for the Lord in his worship. His wife was embarrassed. Oh, please, David, don't embarrass. You're the king, man. Come on. Be dignified. And David said, I'm just getting started, honey. I'm just getting started. Fasten your seatbelt. Amen. Hey, listen, David was excited, man. The presence of God had returned to the camp. Amen. King Jehoshaphat experienced the power of worship. When Jehoshaphat, remember, he he faced the vast Moabite and Ammonite army. And Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord, Lord, what should I do concerning these these threats from this vast army. And the Lord responded to Jehoshaphat in this way. Second Chronicles 20:15. he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Jude and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Now, I like that. Sometimes we need to be remembered this, of this fact. For the Lord, or for the battle is not ours, it's God's. Amen? Come on, God fights our battles, right? Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and, and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out and heard, uh, went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. 
So now after consulting the Lord on how to fight this battle, how to fight this vast Moabite and Ammonite army, Jehoshaphat does something very unusual. Through the instruction of the Lord, Jehoshaphat send the praisers and the worshipers out ahead of the army. He sent them into the battlefield. He said, listen, the troops are going to be coming. You guys grab your guitars, your trumpets, your harps, your, come on, your, your, come on, your, grab your instruments and go out there in the valley and begin worshiping the Lord. Are you crazy? We don't have any weapons. We don't have any armor. You want us to go out there? Yeah, just go right in the valley. And come on, declare the splendor of his holiness. Lift up a holy worship service right in the middle of the valley. Very unusual. Right? Verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. As the worshipers went out and they began to worship, the Lord set ambushes against their enemy. And, and you know, listen, the, the men of Ammon and Moab, they became so confused that they started fighting each other. They forgot who their enemy was. Wait, I'm your brother. They started, they started taking each other out. Now, I'll tell you what I get from this story. First of all, there's great power in the weapon of worship in warfare. I get this also. I worship sends confusion into the tactics and plans of the enemy. The enemy might have a plan against you, but when you worship, it gets confused. Amen. Our worship keeps us from having to fight our own spiritual battles that would otherwise have to be fought on our own. We don't have to fight our battles by ourselves. When we get in position and just worship the Lord, praise God. Hey, how many of you know it's easy to worship God and to get on the front lines of warfare? But you know what? Worship is getting on the front lines of warfare. And I believe that if we will worship, we won't have to get on the front lines of warfare as much. Because when we war in worship, the, the enemy's going to be confused. And, and his tactics and his plans are going to fall by the wayside. You know what? I believe our worship allows us to win spiritual battles that we could never otherwise win. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. But when you worship, you could try to get a breakthrough. You could try to get things to change in your life and you work like you're crazy and you can't get anything to change. But you just have you a worship session with Jesus and you begin to lift up the name that is above every name. And all of a sudden, something supernatural happens. Worship is the best way to fight your battles. It takes all the work out of the fight. Jehoshaphat didn't have to lift a finger to fight his enemy. But he did have to engage the enemy in worship. But listen, not only did he win the battle, he received such blessing of plunder from the enemy that it took him three days to pick it up. You know, in verse 25, it says, So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. 
Now, whenever I read that, I thought, man, this would be encouragement to ladies right here. You learn how to worship and you get articles of clothing. I thought this might be encouraging to the men. You learn to worship and you can get some some equipment. Amen. More than you could take. Amen. But how many of you know, man, I tell you, when you learn to worship God, there's no telling what might come breaking out. Amen. And that's what happened. It took them three days. So one more lesson is the power of, of the spiritual weapon of worship. It, it releases abundant blessings over your life that you cannot imagine. And you cannot put, you know, uh, you cannot put a quality or quantity to God's spirit is released. Biblical history demonstrates the power of worship. Amen. Now, why should every believer utilize the spiritual weapon of worship? Well, let me just, I could have spent just the whole time just talking about this, but let me just talk about two. Worship allows you to continually experience God's presence. Now, Psalm 22 and 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, inhabit means to sit with, to dwell with, to abide with, and to remain with. And so worshipers experience and enjoy God's presence in their life in a greater way. You know, you know, I like to think of it like this. That whenever you begin worshiping the Lord, it's like the Lord hears your voice or sees your, your worship and he, and he's attracted to that. And he wants to come hang out with you. Like, you know, it's like he walked into this room and he's like, I don't know who I'm going to sit with today. I don't know who I'm a fellowship with today. And he walks in and he seeks worshipers. Are y'all with me out there? Now, I don't want him to come by that front row while, the, while we gone at it and him walk right by me and go to Tim. I want him to sit on my pew. What about you? Come on, I'm just using this analogy so you can get the understand. He inhabits, he comes, he dwells, the praises, the worship of his people. Amen. I believe nothing attracts the presence of God quicker than engaging in worship. Psalm 100 and verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, somebody said using the Old Testament uh, picture tabernacle as a picture. You can look at this verse. Thanksgiving gets you into the outer courts of God's presence. Praise gets you into the inner courts of God's presence. Whenever the psalmist wrote this, Jesus hadn't died. The veil hadn't been torn yet. But worship gets you into the holy of holies of God's presence. Remember, the holy of holies is where only the priests could go. That's where the presence of God was. If you went into there without being properly cleansed and, and went through the right uh, uh, sanctification process, you would get in there and you would die. The presence of God was contained and retained in the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, the veil was rent, signified that all of us now can come into the Holy of Holies. Amen? The Holy of Holies was where the manifest presence of God was. The manifest presence. We know that God's omnipresent, right? 
God's presence is everywhere on the earth. And that's what Psalm 139 says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, you are there. You are everywhere. If you're an astronaut, go to the moon. God's presence is there. If you get in a submarine and go down to the depths of the sea, he is there. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent, right? But we know that God's presence is in a different way in every believer, right? That's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? God's presence is out there. But when you become a Christian, God's presence is now in there. Amen. Come on, it's in you, right? But there's also God's manifest presence. His manifest presence is when the presence of God is manifested in your life. You ever experience that? His presence is manifest through signs and wonders, through healing, through speaking in tongues, through prophecy. His, his manifest presence is, is, is ex, experienced through peace, through rest. Through breakthroughs, amen? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest of each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that day, there was the manifest presence of God. You could see the presence of God. You could, people were recognizing the presence of God manifested in such a way that some people thought that the people there were drunk. Now, why did they think they were drunk? Because the presence of God manifested in their life in such a way that they were acting abnormal. Amen. Well, we know what happened. Before they experienced the manifest presence of God, in Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. They were in prayer and worship, and then all of a sudden, the day of Pentecost comes and the presence of God comes. How many of you know worship allows you to experience the manifest presence of God? You know, they say that there's a large percentage of people that go to church on a regular basis, that have never felt the presence of God. Now listen, we we not looking for feelings to serve God. We serve God because of the work of the cross. But I tell you, I'm glad I can feel the presence of God. Aren't you? Hey, listen, I'm glad my wife can get peace whenever she goes to bed full of turmoil. The manifest presence of God touched her that night while she was laying in bed. Amen? She went from being in turmoil to being at peace and going to sleep. Amen? And so listen, worship allows us to experience that. Remember when the finished building, when they they finished building the temple and they were ready to uh, dedicate it to the Lord and, you know, everything is in place. One last thing. The last thing they did was they, they got the worshipers. The musicians, the Levites, they said, come on, get in a place and we're going to begin to just worship the Lord in the temple here. And the Bible says in Second Chronicles 5.13, the trumpeters and the singers join in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied with trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and they sang, he is good. 
and his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Wow. Now, man, imagine if we begin worshiping God this morning here at church. And all of a sudden a cloud came in. Like a fog. Came into this room. Would that mess up your theology? Come on, would, would that mess you up? Would you think, oh, my Lord, what in the world is going on in this church? There's a fog in here. Come on, it might be the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. As the musicians could not, listen, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God came in to the room so powerfully that even the musicians couldn't even play their instruments. Listen, I'm. I'm telling you that. Let, let's put that at the backdrop of American church today. And I say, man, when's the last time the cloud came in my room? I think Saturday morning, I think. Right? But you could see that, listen, that's what happened the day they began to worship. The temple was there. See, the building was there. But the glory of God didn't come in the building until the musicians started playing. Now, do we need musicians for the presence of God to come? No, I don't think it was the musicians. And I don't think it was the instruments. I think it was the worship. I think it was the worship. They could have been playing, you know, there's a tear in my beer. And the glory of God wouldn't have came down. Amen. Are y'all with me? That's not, it's not the musicians and it's not the instruments that brought the glory of God. It's a people that were there to magnify, netify, and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's where the cloud came in. The manifest presence of God came in so strong that the guitar player said, man, I can't do this anymore. Put that guitar down, man. And he just had to just worship God. The drum players, I can't hit them drums anymore, man. And somebody said, praise the Lord. And he put the drumsticks down and he began, the musicians. I don't know. It doesn't say everything that happened, but maybe, maybe they fell out. Maybe they got slain in the spirit. And today people come to church and if somebody falls on the ground, that must be demonic. No, well, the demon slays people, but not like that. They're going to fall, but not on the altar of the church. Come on, are y'all with me out there? They fall, but not at the altar of the church. Amen? The glory of God. The presence of God. Now, a second blessing. The first blessing is you experience the presence of God. Now, I want to encourage you. You get by yourself. You go in your bedroom, in your closet, in your bathroom, in the shower, wherever. The back porch, the front porch. And you just begin to worship God. You just begin to say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I want to encourage you. When's the last time you told Jesus you love him? Say, well, he knows that already. Yeah, but I think he wants the praise to be out of your mouth. Amen. 
out of your heart and out of your mouth. When's the last time you told Jesus, you're the greatest thing in my life. I am so grateful to be your child. Come on. Are y'all hearing me this morning? When you get in the worship of the Lord, I tell you what, remember the devil hates Christians and he hates Christians that worship. Because he wants your worship and he will be okay if you get to go to heaven. But if he can rob you of your worship unto God. But if you will worship, oh my Lord, something is going to happen in your life. And you're going to feel breakthrough. You're going to feel the peace of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God, the touch of God. And you're going to have to give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. 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 Glory to God. I feel like praising him right now. Amen. The second blessing of utilizing the mighty weapon of worship is you can experience spiritual breakthroughs. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you surround me with songs of deliverance. Songs of deliverance. Come on. Songs of deliverance. Singing songs of worship will deliver you from trouble. Will deliver you from a a tight place. Amen. Remember when Paul and Silas, they were in prison because of their faith, because of serving God. But they learn how to tap into the spiritual weapon of worship. And the Bible says in Acts 16, 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas, what they were doing, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Amen. Come on, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What a physical picture of what happens in the spiritual realm. Would you do me a favor and just stand right now? Let's just take a moment before we go. Let's just take a moment. Worship, I believe, releases the power of God to break bondages, to break strongholds. I believe like as we as a church this morning, as we begin to worship God, we can't see it with the natural eye, but with the spiritual eye, I believe that anointing of God is released over the heavens And I believe that, as I mentioned earlier, it's like the shotgun of God's anointing is shot into the skies and demonic spirits that have been activated to try to interrupt our lives are come crashing down as as they meet the anointing of God. I believe as we worship God, the presence of God comes and in His presence, mountains melt like wax. In His presence is the fullness of joy. Amen. In His presence... There's no stress, no strain. Amen. There's peace. Come on, let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's praise Him. Come on, let's worship. Come on. It takes humility to worship God. It takes humility. It takes a loyalty to God. It takes a commitment to God. People that are not fully committed to God, they can't worship God. They can't surrender to God. They can't lift their heart and worship to God. No, they're too busy worshiping themselves. But when you quit worshiping yourself and you start worshiping the king of glory, the anointing of God is released. 
Come on, whenever you begin to worship God and you don't allow your trials and tribulations and you don't allow your circumstance to get you bitter and angry at God and you say, God, though you slay me, yet will I praise you. Yet will I worship you. When you decide I'm a worship God, no matter what I go through, no matter what I deal with, the power of God is released over your life. Come on, let's lift our voice. Let's lift our hands and let's just begin to sing the song of the Lord. Lord, we love you today. We honor you today. We worship you today. We glorify you today. We declare today that Jesus, you are the supreme one in our life. And today we honor you. We reverence you. We respect you. Thank you, Father God, for your presence in this room. Come on, let's invite him. Spirit of God, we invite you. Spirit of God, we invite you. Presence of God, we invite you. Anointing of God, come on, come on. You have a worship service right there where you are. Come on, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I honor you. Jesus, I glorify you. Come on, if you have the liberty, just lift your hands and just begin to wave it to the Lord like a banner of victory and say, Lord, I'm victorious today. I'm victorious today. I have the victory today. Lord, I am living. I am living free today in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, come on, the presence of God is here. Come on, just just surrender. Just surrender in worship. Come on, whenever you worship it. It's a sign that you're turning your back on the evil one. You're turning your back from darkness. You're turning towards the Lord. Amen. Whenever you worship him, it's just you're you're pledging your allegiance to him. You're, You're declaring his authority over your life. You're surrendering to him. And when you surrender to him and you give your loyalty to him, he he meets you at that decision. He meets you at that place that you've making that commitment. And he comes in his power and in his glory and in his presence. And he touches your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Come on, just feel the presence of God. Sense the peace of God on your life. Come on, let His His presence just touch your heart right now. Come on, let Him take those weights off of you. Come on, if you got a block, that might be religiosity. Ask the Lord to break that off of you. Come on, if you got a block, maybe you got doubt. Maybe you got fear. Ask Him to break that off of you. If you got a block right now, ask the Lord to liberate you. Come on, if you got a block right now, maybe it's because you're, you're having trouble with your will. Surrender to God. Ask the Lord to deliver you from your own will and say, Lord, you're not my will, but your will be done. Your will. I'm surrendering my will to your will. That's where worship begins. When your will is surrendered to the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for releasing your power, your glory, and your presence in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for your manifest presence. Thank you, Lord, that hearts are getting healed, that lives are getting healed. Lord, that people are receiving breakthrough. Lord, thank you that people are getting refreshed. They're getting renewed. They're getting revitalized. Thank you, Father God, that, Lord, you are filling up the hearts of those that are in this room today. Thank you, Lord, that miracles are taking place in this sanctuary today in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed, they shouted. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise you, Father. Now listen. You can do this, what we just did. 
in your bedroom, at your house, in your car. Amen. So listen, the veil is rent. You don't have to wait to come to to the church building. You are the temple wherever you go. Come on. Come on, just worship and praise Him and enjoy His presence. Get you some good praise and worship out of the Resource Center, at the bookstore, and on iTunes, and put it on your iPad, and give God praise, glory, and honor. Amen. Lord, may the favor and blessing of the Lord be upon the people of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.